Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Technical Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Want to say hello to our deployed folks. Thanks for listening. Holy cow. It has been a heck of, I don't know, a week, week and a half of getting ready for the uh, large-scale readiness exercise we just had over the weekend. I was on the wing inspection team, and uh, I got my second Moderna shot last week. That was, that was crazy. I got it on Monday. Felt fine all day Monday. I thought, oh, I'm going to sleep on Monday, and I'm, uh, I'm not going to have any side effects because some people have said barely, barely had any side effects. I woke up in the middle of the night with the worst chills that I can remember ever having. Barely got any sleep that night, woke up exhausted, went to work with uh, the help of Aleve, ibuprofen, and uh, caffeine, Drove, you know, just got through the day. Uh, that night, I woke up with the worst night sweats that, uh, that I can remember ever having in that, too. And my body was not liking the Moderna shot. I mean, it's better, than, trust me, it's better than having the uh, COVID, than having uh, the Rona, as the kids say. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's a tough shot, but it's, you know, it's all for the uh, good of everybody. I knew my body wasn't liking it. Uh, my resting heart rate... At night was 66 when it's usually around 54. So that tells me that my body is either getting ready to get sick or it's not resting well. But by Friday morning, I felt uh, I felt right as rain. My uh, resting heart rate went down to 50. I think it was 50 on Friday morning when I woke up, which is pretty uh, makes me excited to see my heart rate that low. Probably because I hadn't ridden my bike in, in uh, a week. Because I just couldn't over the... I was just so exhausted over that time. Amongst all that we did, a a few live broadcasts last week as well on Facebook and Zoom. And we were uh, getting ready for that LRE, which I hope you're recovering uh, from the uh, exercise. In the meantime, according to the Air Force News Service, physical fitness assessments will now resume for airmen on July 1st. When uh, assessments resume, the three-component fitness tests, obviously the run, the push-ups and sit-ups, will be reset with scores calculated on a new three-component scoring table. Uh, In addition, work is underway to separate scoring into five-year age groups as opposed to the previous 10. For example, age groups will start at less than 25, 25 to 29 years old, 30 to 34 years old, et cetera, et cetera. There are ongoing studies and reviews to determine a list of alternative strength and cardio components for the physical fitness assessment. Some alternative options being explored for the current uh, components include the 20-meter high aerobic multi-shuttle run, the uh, row ergometry, er, uh, planks, burpees, and other alternatives, unless they include a biking one. I'm going to stick with the uh, mile and a half run. Future PT tests will be uh, future PT test updates will be released as they are available. Today we're going to hear from the commander of the 906th Air Refueling Squadron, Lieutenant Colonel Kurt Wampel right after this. I'm uh, Tech Sergeant Scoggins in the 126th Air National Guard Air Refueling Wing and I'm an aerospace maintenance technician, a crew chief. 
So our job entails mostly uh, on a good day inspections. We get the jet ready to leave and then we catch it when it comes back. So we're, we interact with the pilots there and then if they have any issues they tell us, we have to do an inspection pre and post flight to find any discrepancies. And if it's something we can fix on the spot, we do. I'm Lieutenant Pippins, AMXS, Aircraft Maintenance, and I am the Aircraft Maintenance Officer. I am a supervisor of all the crew chiefs, so all the men and women that work hard every day out on the line to make sure that the nine aircraft that we have here at Scott are ready to fly for the pilots, and I just make sure that they have everything that they need so that they can meet that mission every day. One of the biggest benefits from working with the 126 would definitely be traveling. I've got to go to a lot of cool places for free to me. We get to go to Europe a lot. We're state partners with Poland, so we get Poland at least once or twice a year. It's nice. If you are in the unit, I recommend picking up that trip. Uh, thanks to joining the Guard, I've been able to get my bachelor's in kinesiology from the University of Illinois, and then I got my doctor of physical therapy from Southwest Baptist University. So I'm a doctor of physical therapy on the civilian side. I work as an outpatient physical therapist. They're both completely different jobs, but completely rewarding. I work one-on-one -on -one mostly in my civilian career field and then here I'm in charge of 50 people so it's a much larger scale uh, but they're both both provided me so much experience. Hi we are the 126 recruiting team I'm Master Sergeant Heather Wildey recruiting flight chief. I'm Technical Sergeant Richard Olson production recruiter. To learn more about career training with the 126 give us a call at 618-222-5701. But, but wait there's, there's more! more. Give us a call in the next five minutes and you could qualify for four years of free college tuition. We're joined today by the commander of the 906th Air Refueling Squadron, Lieutenant Colonel Kurt Wampel. I guess you're our sister unit. How does this uh, work? So we're actually part of the uh, Total Force Association, so active duty squadron, but we are embedded here in the 126th Air Refueling Wing, so uh, part of the TFI squadron here in the 126th. That sounds like a very uh, fancy name. Uh, first, we'll talk about what... To, I know it's in the title, Air Refueling Squadron, but you, I'm kind of confused because you guys don't have planes, so what does, the air, what does the 906th Air Refueling Squadron do, sir? Yeah, so great question. I uh, get that a lot, actually. And uh, the easy answer is we do the exact same thing as our guard counterparts. So uh, we, uh, we're in the same building as the 108th Air Refueling Squadron. We've also, so we've got six crews, so we've got 12 pilots and about eight boom operators right now. And then uh, about 85 maintainers as well. Uh, and our job is to fly and operate the KC-135 just like uh, the rest of our brothers and sisters in the 126. So doing the same kind of thing, just uh, active duty embedded in the guard wing. Uh, you, you probably touched on this a little bit, but what is the, the squadron's role with the 126th? So you guys fly missions? We do, yep. Oh, so what, what is your, how, how, does that, uh, how does that work with the so, 906 and the 126? Yep, so we are fully integrated with the 126, so both on the ops and the maintenance and the LRS sides. We're, uh, you'll see us working day-to-day, uh, -day just, I mean, side-by-side -side with our guard counterparts. So, uh, for instance, all of our crews are completely integrated. So it's not like there's, uh, there's guard crews and there's active-duty crews for the most part. We all fly together, so you'll have, like, a... For example, you could very easily have a uh, you know an AGR pilot, an active duty co-pilot, and a traditional boom operator all on the same crew. Doesn't matter. We integrate uh, or we operate completely uh, integrated like that. That that's really cool. That's yes. Yeah. What's and, that? Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Same thing on the maintenance side. So if you walk through the uh, the maintenance building today, you'll see active duty maintainers in there. Uh, honestly, you won't be able to tell the difference. Uh, looking the same job, same airplanes. Uh, everyone's in there working together, one big happy family. 
Um, what's the, this total force uh, that you were talking? Total force association. Yep. Is this something new? Can you explain that with uh, how this works with the National Guard and all that? Yeah, you bet. So it really started taking hold after the Vietnam War. Basically, um, there just weren't enough resources to go around. And you know, as the years have progressed, uh, that problem has gotten worse. It hasn't gotten better. Right now, in the air fueling enterprise in particular, there's a lot more demand out there than there are assets. So. Uh, really started to gain traction, I would say, maybe 15, 20 years ago when uh, the Air Force holistically started looking down on how can, we, uh, how can we get a little more utilization out of the assets we do have. And they figured out one of the ways to do that was to, uh, to embed active duty airmen in some of the guard wings. So uh, uh, just uh, for the assets that are there, they're getting used pretty much round the clock by members of both services. Just, again, it's just taking better advantage of the resources that were already in place, if that makes sense. Right. So uh, when you guys are, when there's a mission that comes around, how do you guys fill that mission? Uh, you know, a refueling mission is, is, how does that work with the 126? Do you guys compare, uh, compare uh, notes, uh, schedules to figure that out? Or how does that work? Well, so, so again, for like local training missions and that kind of stuff, we are completely uh, integrated. So there is no difference. There's no 906 scheduling and, and 108 scheduling, you know, 108 being the, the guard or refueling squadron. Sure. It's completely integrated. All the, all the folks are working there together and the crews are scheduled together. There are some nuances, or excuse me, nuances when it comes to uh, like deployments and like AMC specific taskings. And then, yeah, we kind of go through those on a case by case basis and just, uh, just schedule the folks as it makes sense. But uh, again, overall, 90% of the time we're flying completely operated and uh, you can't tell the difference between the two. How does the 126th help the 906th Airmen in uh, the full time Air Force in their career? Uh, well, I would say the easy answer to that is the experience, right? So uh, anyone that's worked with the 906 knows that, you know, we're only here for usually, you know, individually probably two, three, maybe four years before we're moving on or going to a different job or, or working working somewhere else, where obviously on the on the guard side, that's not the case. A lot of, uh, you know, our guard brethren, both on the, uh, the uh, operations, maintenance, LRS, all those different sides, you guys are here for a long time. You don't usually right. go anywhere. So you have that level of experience that, uh, quite frankly, you don't see on the active duty side. So uh, it's very advantageous, ex especially for our younger folks, to, to leverage that experience and that knowledge and take advantage of that. Because, again, other than being in a TFI unit like this, you just don't get that. It just seems like there's a, there's a camaraderie there. Do, do you see, like, a big camaraderie growing between the, the full-time guys and our air guys? Yeah, our absolutely. Guard guys? And, again, you know, Daily, we operate completely integrated. And I've seen, you know, even on the weekends and stuff, when we do squadron barbecues, that stuff, a lot of times we do things all together, right? Usually stuff that's done at the squadron level might be done at the group level for just that reason. So you get everybody in there together. And, and yeah, you see uh, active duty guard guys hanging out together all the time. It's just uh, it's part, of the, part of the way we operate. Yeah, we had an exercise over the weekend and uh, with uh, we had an exercise and somebody was saying, well, where's so-and-so at? And they're like, oh, yeah, he's 906. He, he's, he's not here. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh, in the drill schedule, that's definitely one of the kind of the unique things, right? You know, most active duty units don't have drill. Well, no reason to. Uh, being integrated in this unit, uh, the 906, we do participate in drills to an extent. Uh, we had some folks here this weekend participating in the exercise. As a rule, we're not here full time like our guard folks over the weekend. But uh, same time, you know, if there's stuff that we need to do or training we need to get done or stuff we need to work together to get done, we're here all the time. In fact, uh, this past exercise, we had two crews playing. One was from the guard side, one was active duty, and uh, everyone getting the same training together. Oh, that's awesome. You guys were, uh, you guys have just come back from the red flag exercise, yeah, correct? Yeah, just had a, a crew and a whole bunch of maintainers down there as well, and man, those guys did a great job. I've got nothing but great feedback from leadership at all levels uh, on, on their performance. 
So are they ta- do they take a, a, one of our planes, 126 planes out there? Absolutely, because, yeah, as you said earlier, the 906 uh, doesn't own any of the planes or equipment. So, uh, yeah, uh, in that case, absolutely. We, uh, we were <laughs> fortunate enough to borrow a plane. <laughs> so is it like uh, asking your dad for the car keys sometimes? Yeah, it can certainly be that way. Um, so per our agreement with AMC, we're actually – so the 906 is on the hook at all times to um, – provide one jet and two crews and then whatever associated maintenance uh, goes with that uh, whether that be for a deployment tasking or a TACC task and moving fighters across the uh, the ocean that kind of stuff so we have that contract that the 126 enables us to meet anything on top of that is yeah pretty much hey what's uh, what's the 126 doing do we have the white space on the calendar where we can uh, we can get an extra airplane if we want to send a crew somewhere else uh, and I'll tell you historically the 126 has been great they've been more than accommodating for that kind of stuff uh, realizing how beneficial beneficial it is uh, for our crews and for the guard guys when they get to go with us and uh, they've been very very helpful so we appreciate that relationship we've built up what have been uh, some of the what are uh, you, you mentioned it but it doesn't sound like there's many challenges but there's got to be some challenges between the full-time and the air national guard yeah there sure are so uh, a couple things with that the first one is we're kind of unique in that uh so by law, all of the TFI squadrons active duty have to be administratively owned and controlled by an active duty wing for the most part. So like, for example, there's a, a TFI unit down at March in California that's assigned up to Fairchild administratively. Same thing, um, there's one at Birmingham that's assigned administratively down to McDill Air Force Base, Air Force Base in Florida. Uh, we are unique in that we are the only TFI squadron that is co-located with both our wings. So good thing and a bad thing, right? Thank goodness. I yeah, guess. yeah. The good part of that is, you know, when one of our guys is having uh, problems with his paycheck or, uh, or or career stuff, he can go across the base to 375th and get that taken care of versus having to work with somebody at a different base that probably doesn't know who he is. The downside is, uh, in many ways, we've got two different wings that we work for on the same base. And as you can imagine, sometimes the... Uh, those wings' priorities don't quite line up or, you know, direction from, from the 126 will be uh, one thing and then 375th will be something slightly different. So then it's, uh, it's up to, you know, our leadership team there in the, in the 906 to figure out, okay, in this situation, who exactly are we working for? <laughs> who do we fall under? And sometimes it's both, sometimes it's neither. So it's, uh, there's definitely some challenges presented by that. But uh, really, at the end of the day, it's all about relationship, uh, relationship building. Um, and again, right now, the partnership between the 126 and the 375th is stronger than I've ever seen it, which, uh, which makes our job easy. Yeah, and, you go, and go back to that, uh, just talking about you don't know who is 90, uh, 906th or 120, uh, 126. You're just like, uh, yeah. Yeah, day to day, you can't tell. Yeah, you just walk up to him and you're like, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm 906. I'm like, right. oh okay, I need yeah. to talk to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> but yeah, you, you really and you know they they do seem to get along, especially over in maintenance. It's uh, yep, it's a great uh, it's a great it's a great uh, what do you uh, association? Yeah, it really yeah. seems to 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 work really well. Uh, and again, I think a lot of that is just based on the individuals in the association on both sides, right? Um, I always tell everybody, just be a good dude. Just try to get along with people, realize there's different ways to do business. And, right. uh, you know, you don't, your way doesn't have to be the only way. So, uh, and, and overall, again, I think right now we're in a good spot as far as that goes. You mentioned that I didn't know they were in the LRS. What, what do they do over in the LRS? Yeah, we got some folks over there as well that do, uh, again, same thing you'd see on the, on the guard side. They're fully uh, uh, embedded in the, the MSG and the LRS there. They deploy with active duty, but everything else as far as taskings and day-to-day ops, um, if those guys are out there, you know, working without their patches or their blouses on, you can't tell. You have no idea. So the exact same thing. 
That's uh, awesome. What have you learned about being a commander of a total force uh, associated unit? Oh, boy, that's uh, I've learned a lot. It's definitely been a very steep learning curve uh, since I got to this unit. Has, has but, it been um, different than maybe what you would have expected to be a full-time Air Force? Yeah, uh, in a couple of different ways, one of which is our squadron's pretty unique in that uh, since we are embedded in the Guard unit, they take all of the active-duty airmen and put them into our squadron. So, for instance, norm a normal air refueling squadron in an active-duty unit would just be pilots, maintainers, maybe a few um, like SARM and CRUCOM, just kind of very operations-focused. Uh, that's not the way the 906 is built because uh, it is in the Guard unit. They take basically all of the active-duty components here in the 126 and put them all in our squadron. So we have crews, like I mentioned earlier. We have maintainers. We have guys over in LRS. We have CRUCOM, AFE, Intel, just all these different active-duty functions that would normally be spread across a wing. They're in our squadron. So we've got 32 different Air Force specialty codes in the 906 alone. So, you know, as a knuckle dragon pilot, taking over a squadron like that has been quite the learning curve, learning how do I develop a maintenance officer? How do I learn to speak intel and how they deploy and how they operate? Because it's not something I grew up learning about. So it's been really eye-opening getting to see the way that other career fields outside my own operate, let alone getting the opportunity to be in charge. Right. What, so what's it been like for you as, um, as a pilot to uh, be uh, on one of the 126th uh, planes? Uh, it's been great. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed every minute of being here in the 126. Uh, from a pilot perspective, it's been awesome because, again, like I was talking about, that experience earlier that a lot of the, uh, the 126 and the 108 pilots bring to the table, you just don't get that on the activity side. These guys have been flying these airplanes for a long time, and I've learned a heck of a lot about uh, uh, just, you know, airmanship in general from being around them. Uh, the other part of that is uh, our maintenance guys do a great job taking care of these airplanes. These airplanes are nicer than anything I've seen on the active duty side, and it's just a joy to fly them. They do a great job getting us up there. Is it something that you've, because uh, I, you know, uh, I was in the Army and all that and back in the early 90s, and you always heard that uh, the National Guard had all the worst stuff. They were just, you know, they, were, they just got hand-me-downs and stuff like that. Was it a surprise to you when you got here to be like, whoa, uh, it was a little bit of a surprise, but, uh, you know, the more I dig into it, uh, it makes sense. And, it, and the reason I say that is just the pride that, the, uh, that the, the maintainers, everybody involved in the operation here at the 126 is just so proud of what they do, the airplanes themselves, and, and supporting that mission. Um, the results speak for themselves. And it's been just the more I'm here, the more I'm learning that that's, uh, that's across the entire wing, just that, uh, that pride. And it's, uh, it's been fantastic. Is the squadron... Uh, involved in the LRE? Yeah, you better believe it. So again, this past weekend, as we're starting to do these exercises, you know, building up to the LRE, yes, we've been involved and uh, will continue to be so. Um, obviously, the exact requirements just still kind of being defined, right? But I know we're going to have at least one crew and then a handful of associated uh, support personnel plan as well uh, to include our maintainers. So yeah, we're definitely going to have a big footprint in this exercise. Uh, you are the, uh, the commander. We're here with uh, Kurt Wampel, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Kurt Wampel, the uh, commander of the 906th Air Refueling Squadron. Sir, we've had a hell of a last year. Oh, man. What's, what's that been like uh, for you? Has it, uh, has, has, has it been different from, uh, obviously it's been different, but has, it, I mean, you, you probably have fellow uh, lieutenant colonels maybe that are commanders of squadrons or wings or what have you, or squadrons. Uh, how has, has that been, how, what's the challenge been like that, and how, how have you 
uh, talk to uh, other lieutenant colonels, squadron commanders. Right. Yeah. So I would say the biggest challenge challenge we faced over the last year, and you're exactly right. It's been a heck of a year. So there's <laughs> been just some some things coming up that we never thought we'd have to deal with, and yet here we go finding our way through them. Uh, I would say the biggest challenge is again. So we operated fully integrated, like I've been talking about right. this whole time. Uh, unfortunately, when it comes to to guidance on far as far as like. COVID procedures and medical and everything, uh, active duty guidance uh, is sometimes substantially different than from what uh, is issued from the state through uh, through NBG or the TAG and everything mm-hmm. like that. So just kind of navigating through that, it's almost on a case-by-case basis. I mean, uh, I'll give you just a, it's a hypothetical example, but it's something we deal with on a day-to-day basis. In one of our shops, you know, like I said, we could have uh, a couple active duty guys, a couple DSGs, and a couple of uh, AGRs all working side-by-side. Uh, somebody tests positive for COVID, uh, what do we do? Uh, and every single person in that shop might have a different procedure to follow just based on their status. So that's one of the challenges presented by working as integrated as we do is, is figuring out where exactly we fall and, and what procedures to follow because they could be different. That brings up a good question about um, when we have to go do state duty, how does that affect your uh, operations? Yeah, so uh, that's one thing, unfortunately, that we are not usually able to help out with. Uh, state taskings are very specifically for our, our guard brother and sister, and so uh, we help when we can. Obviously, sometimes there are uh, there are exceptions, like on uh, a bunch of these airlift flights we've done to the Capitol, moving uh, uh, the Army National Guard troops around. Just based on the way it was coded and tasked, we were able to help with some of that kind of stuff, which was, which was great. Uh, not not usually the case. And when we're not able to help, usually we're the ones that uh, stay behind and try to keep the lights on, keep the, uh, the ship afloat while the guard guys are out doing the, uh, the state missions. Does that uh, put more pressure, uh, more stress on your, on your airmen when we're off doing COVID duty and uh, civil unrest and all the others? Yeah, it certainly can. Uh, no doubt about that. So we just kind of, again, try to work together and, and get through it as a team as much as we can. What made you uh, want to join the Air Force? Uh, you know, honestly, I always wanted to fly airplanes. I'll tell you, um, I was probably five or six years old, you know, grew up in Southern California and went to an air show and uh, saw the Thunderbirds flying around. I was oh, like, nice. you know what, that's, that's what I want to do one day. Obviously didn't quite pan out that way, but uh, still uh, inspired me to join the Air Force and uh, I've never looked back. Did you uh, go uh, straight into, uh, did you go to the academy or ROTC? I did. I went to the academy straight out of high school. Uh, wow. About three or four weeks after high school graduation, I actually started the academy, and uh, it's been off to the races since then. What's that like going from high school to Air Force Academy? Uh, so certainly a challenge, yeah, as you can imagine. Um, but it was great, though. I'll tell you what, it's very structured, as you can imagine, and uh, I think I needed that. It was, uh, you know, you hear a lot of guys that are on the four, the six, the eight-year plan, not an option at the academy, right? And that's probably a good thing for me. I think it kind of helped uh, motivate me to get through that. What's been some of, uh, what's been the highlights uh, of your uh, past assignments? Man, I have just had a, a great career. I have zero complaints about uh, about uh, where I've been and what I've got to do. So I started off uh, training with the Navy, actually went through pilot training, uh, with flying the T-34 down to Pensacola. So just being in that environment right off the bat, learning how a different service gets to do something after, you know, four years at the academy was, was great. Again, kind of opened my eyes to, man, there's, there's more than one ways to get things done, uh, which was great. And that's really set me up well for where I am today. After that, uh, flew the KC-135 for three years up at uh, Fairchild, Washington. So getting to see the, the AMC machine, how that works, the high deployment tempo, and just the grind of being at a big tanker wing really gave me a appreciation of how AMC operates. 
Uh, following that, got to go over to Mildenhall for three years, continuing to fly the 135, which was great. So uh, again, getting to work with some of our international partners and, and seeing, yeah, the way the U.S. Air Force does business is one way, but then how do the Italians do it? How do the French? How do the British, et cetera? And uh, again, uh, very eye-opening, helped me uh, develop that broader perspective. Uh, after that, shifted gears a little bit, went and flew C-130s out at uh, Little Rock. Got to do that for three years, which was a lot of fun. Really neat airplane, great airplane to fly. So when you, uh, this, I, I didn't realize this. So you can fly different, you, you, are you, uh, is that something that you learn in the academy to learn different frames or airframes or? Are you nope. So you actually got to go to, usually it's about four to five months of training to, uh, to fly each one. Oh, so, okay. Yep. Uh, but the Air Force does that deliberately. They try to either move you to a different uh, AMC aircraft, you know, another large aircraft, or there's other opportunities to go fly like pilot training aircraft, for example, okay. or even to go to Altus and fly, you know, the 135 schoolhouse. Uh, lots of different opportunities just to do the, you know, something outside of the norm of your doing your day-to-day, uh, your mission. What so. was your experience flying the C-130? Uh, it was great. Uh, the crew complement was a little bit different. A few more folks. Uh, obviously, we had a crew, our basic crew is a crew of five, if not six, and a much older airplane. Um, <laughs> very capable of doing its mission, but uh, very differently structured than the 135. So, uh, just again, just a blast to fly, but I uh, was definitely happy to get back to my roots in the 135 here in the 126. <laughs> the, one, the, one, uh, the C-130, what's... Uh, it just seems like I've flown that from Germany to Northern Ireland. That's oh, a long flight. I mean, it's that's a long flight. It's not designed for passenger comfort, <laughs> and I'll tell you that much right now. Um, but it's really good at doing what it's designed to do, which is landed on short dirt airstrips and doing the airdrop and some of the, you know, the very tactical portion of that airlift as it was designed. It's really, really good at it. And then you came back here. This is, so you just came from Arkansas to, to here to Scott Air Force Base. Uh, one more stop between uh, between oh. Arkansas and Scott. I went down to Montgomery. I uh, went to Maxwell for a year for school for uh, ACSC. So I uh, was happy to get out of Alabama, as you can imagine, and uh, come back up here to Scott. It's interesting. I actually got here to Scott. Uh, I only expected to be here probably about two years. I got here for staff up on AMC staff. And, uh, again, that two-year assignment was five years ago, and here I still am. So Holy cow. How long have you been commander of uh, 906? Uh, about a year and a half now. Change of command is coming up this summer, looking like the end of June. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Where are you moving on to? I uh, wish I had a good answer to that. I don't know yet. There's a couple different options still on the table, so we'll <laughs> see what the Air Force decides to do with me. What are you hoping for? Uh, I'd like to hear, stay here at Scott at, uh, in some capacity. Uh, again, my two-year assignment, right? It could, be, <laughs> could end up stretching into 10 or 15, which I think is really common, by the way. It seems like a lot of guys do that. But uh, lots of different job options here at Scott, whether that's in the 126th here itself or moving on to TACC, AMC staff. Again, there's just so many different uh, cats and dogs across this space. I'm sure they'll, they'll find somewhere to stick me. There's a, there's a toilet somewhere that needs to be scrubbed. <laughs> so uh, how much longer do you have in the, in the Air Force then? So I can uh, retire in March of 24. So we're uh, we're getting close. If somebody were to join the wanted to join and go into the academy, what uh, what um, what what would what would you say to them? Give them advice. Uh, so I would say that uh, sometimes it doesn't feel like but feel like it, but they really want you to succeed there. So really, just uh, just keep trying, keep a good attitude, and keep uh, you know keep keep plugging away at it. Sometimes it feels like the world's stacked against you, but they're not. They're just trying to train you and develop you for the success uh, in a future Air Force career. I would say the biggest thing I'd suggest to folks is have a good time management program, whatever that looks like. Whether Whatever tools you use, just make sure you know how to budget your time and prioritize things because intentionally they're going to give you too much. You're not going to have enough time in the day to get everything done. So you got to figure out, one, how to manage your time, and two, how to prioritize because some things, you know, frankly aren't that important. How did you get from – how do you go from high school to, to the academy? What did you do to, to, to 
make that to get there? So it's a pretty lengthy application process, and you have to get uh, endorsed by either like a senator or a congressman. So there's a there's it's a it's about a six to eight month long um, process. Takes quite a while, but uh, really what they're looking for is somebody that's uh, that's been successful in high school. I mean, you got to have pretty good grades, and you have to have decent SAT scores. They have kind of minimums published for that kind of stuff. But they're looking more so than that. They're looking for somebody that's well rounded, right? So somebody that either played sports or was involved in scouts. It doesn't really matter what you did as long as it was something, as long as you're showing that well-roundedness and that you're doing multiple different things. And if there's leadership involved, so much the better. Did uh, the academy have a good football team while you were there? Uh, they were okay. There was, uh, I think, one year they did pretty well. The rest, they were, uh, they were mediocre at best. Did they beat the Army at least? Hey, I think so, yeah. I mean, uh, it wasn't hard to beat the Army I to say, that's, that's, going, that's going back quite a ways, but uh, those are always fun games to go to <laughs> just because uh, all that pageantry is great to see. Well, so you from uh, you are from Southern California, where at? Born and raised, uh, yeah. If you know where March Air Reserve Base is, right down the road from there, about uh, 50 miles or so east of uh, Los Angeles. Oh, near Riverside. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is where, uh, that's like our western headquarters for uh, American Forces Network is. Okay, perfect. We run most of our TV and stuff out of March Air Force Base. Yep, so yeah, I grew up right down the road from there, so very familiar with, uh, and I loved watching the airplanes fly out of That's why, you know, I was talking about that air show earlier. That's where we were. Went to March and watched the Thunderbirds fly around. So, so your dad was in the military? Or he was not, actually, nope. Uh, just, law enforcement and... Um, just happened to live there. Just happened to live there, yeah, that's uh, exactly right. So you, you took this command as the 906. Is that something that you volunteer for, or is that something you kind of have to apply for as a commander? Uh, a little bit of both. So, uh, and I go back to when I got here to Scott, I, I did not think this was in the cards. It was not something I was planning for. I was literally sitting there after, uh, you know, about two years into my staff job and got a phone call out of the blue. Hey, how would you like to come over to the 906 and be our director of operations? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Where do I sign? So I uh, moved across the ramp. It was a great opportunity for me and my family. Uh, course the kids are settled into school and sports and scouts and all that kind of stuff and my wife works as well so uh it was a good move for us as a family to stay here we do love the area you know the whole scott air force base area is great for families so we were excited to stay here and then uh after years the do was uh was blessed enough to be picked up uh for command of the unit and it's been uh, it's been absolutely fantastic what's that like to go from a, a staff job to uh is that, is that a different mindset you got to go from a staff job to uh, being the commander of uh, so many airmen. Very much so, yeah. It was definitely a shift in perspective and mentality, but I missed it. You know, the whole time I was on staff, I missed being in the airplane and doing the mission and the operations. Uh, I enjoyed my time up on staff. I learned quite a bit, but I was happy to get back to the operation, to be sure. How often do you get to fly now? You get uh, to fly I try to much? fly about once a week, which, I mean, I think every pilot will tell you, hey, I never get to fly enough, but uh, that's actually been pretty good. And, and in comparison to a lot of my active duty counterparts it's pretty good so i can't complain anything else you want to add no just uh you know, again just to reemphasize, we've really enjoyed our time here the uh, the relationship between the 906 the 126 375th everybody's working together really well and we're uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to be here and uh, all the support we've been given all right thank you very much that's uh, lieutenant colonel kurt wample the uh commander of our Sister unit, is that what we call yeah, you? Yeah, TFI squadron, you yeah. bet. Uh, he's the commander of the 906th Air Refueling Squadron. Again, sir, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Brian, for having me. I really enjoyed it. With your look around the Air Force, I'm Staff Sergeant Angelo Rosadio. Acting Secretary of the Air Force John Roth emphasized his priorities at the Air Force Association's Virtual Aerospace Warfare Symposium. And so I view my, my role here is to ensure we as the Air Force uh, that we continue the momentum that we have built up on both the air and the space side, we can't afford to take a pause. 
His priorities align with Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin's, focusing on modernization, defeating coronavirus, and making work environments free of discrimination, hate, and harassment. Also during the symposium, Air Force Chief of Staff General C.Q. Brown discussed his strategic approach for the future. Last year, Brown introduced his strategic approach for success, called Accelerate Change or Lose, explaining what must be done to ensure air superiority and how to defend the U.S. and its interests through future challenges. We are changing a bit of the culture of the Air Force about how we approach some of these. And a cultural change um, takes a bit of time, and you'll have some naysayers, you'll have some friction points. Um, but I've got to be, as I've always said, be persistent and consistent on the focus I have. Brown says COVID will change how the Air Force works through some things, but must remain focused on new ways to complete the mission. After tests and feedback from airmen around the world, the Air Force Uniform Office has finalized the new physical training, or PT uniform. It's the first change to the uniform in 16 years, and will improve performance with a design that works for a variety of athletic interests. The new PT uniform will be available in 2022. A big uniform change will happen a lot sooner for some maintainers. Starting March 15th, commanders can authorize dark navy blue shorts when temperatures reach 80 degrees or more on the flight line, hangars, or dock areas that aren't climate controlled. And that's your look around the Air Force. Oh, that's going to be a great look for the maintainers. The Coyote Brown t-shirt. Uh, uniform green or coyote brown socks with uniform boots, but I'm sure it's welcome. Any relief from the heat when they're out there on the ramp is, uh, is I'm sure, a welcome uh, sight for them. Additionally, airmen and guardians in all specialties will be authorized to wear their functional communities-approved duty identifier patches. If you are having thoughts of suicide or know someone in crisis, the military crisis line 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. That is, uh, that'll hook you up to a military uh, person, uh, representative. There is a chat lifeline. Also, you can uh, chat through their website, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Another way to get help in the crisis uh, text line is to text the word HELP, H-E-L-P, to 838-255. The crisis text line, HELP, H-E-L-P, to 838-255. You can find all of our links on Linktree. That's linktr.ee forward slash 126. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, don't forget, you can also download this on your favorite podcast. If you want to pass along some information, you can email roll call at 126.arw.pa.mm.org at us.af.mil. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Tech Sergeant Brian Ellison.